0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the biggest week of the sports calendar. We got college football in full swing, pro football in full swing, the start of basketball season, start of hockey season, baseball playoffs, and the WNBA finals between the Liberty and the Aces. Bet Online Sportsbook has you covered, and if you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, no matter the sport. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, whenever you may be listening, thank you for stopping in to another fan episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this podcasting thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. We appreciate you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we're glad to have you here on an NFL Monday. It's a football Monday for week seven and a half. It was week eight in college football, week seven in the NFL. It's week seven and a half. We got a fun show coming at you today. We are going to begin our eulogies for the season. Every year we eulogize teams that we have decided we're not going to talk about for the rest of the season. Once we do an official eulogy here, we don't talk about them for the rest of the season. Now, granted, at this time last year, we did a eulogy for the 2-6 and six Pittsburgh Steelers, and the 2-6 and six Pittsburgh Steelers went like 6-2 and two the rest of the season. And I don't understand how the fuck they went 6-2 and two the rest of that season. But we're going to start the eulogies here with two teams who happen to play each other on Sunday, and we're going to check in on those Buffalo Bills. We got that and more. It's going to be a fun NFL Monday here on the show. Reminder, we record NFL Monday in the afternoon on Sunday because I don't want to stay up late. I know I'm on the West Coast, but I don't want to stay up late to record after Sunday Night Football I know this is the week to stay up late and record after Sunday Night Football because we have the Miami Dolphins versus the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the few games in the NFL that actually matters. We might just, depending on how the game goes, do a wired up on Tuesday or on Monday morning to follow up. On that Dolphins and Eagles game because that is one of the handful of games that actually matters in the NFL this year with two of the six teams that we know are actually really good in the league playing against each other. We might just have to put together an NFL Monday at some point to talk about that Dolphins and Eagles game. But again, we're recording this before we know the result of the Dolphins Eagles game. So all we have to work with here today is... The 10 games that were being played during the day of the Sunday. And the other game that actually gave a damn this week was the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens, to which I want to start this NFL Monday because look at you fucking go, Lamar Jackson. Let's get it. Lamar Jackson in the first half of that game against the Detroit Lions, 17 for 21 passing. 255 passing yards in one half of football. 255 passing yards on 17 completions. That's a 12 yard per attempt average. Per completion, 15 yards per completion for Lamar Jackson. He was absolutely cooking against the Detroit defense. A Detroit team, by the way, that had not lost a game on the road all season. Now, granted, this is a Detroit Lions team that was one out of four drops away from losing on the road against Kansas City earlier this season. Detroit probably, on paper, their expected win-loss record was 4-2. and two. In fact, I can look up what their exact expected win-loss record was according to uh, footballreference.com. But the Detroit Lions, even though they were a 5-1 and team that had not lost on the road this year, and even though they were technically the number one seed in the NFC going into this week, the Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens are both kind of in that second tier of pl- teams this year. By the way, uh, expected win-loss record for Detroit going into last week, 4.3 and 1.7. So they were closer to a 4-2 and team than they were a 5-1 and team. But they did beat Kansas City, and so they're 5-1, and one, even if they won a Fugazi game at the end against Kansas City, a coin toss game that really, really went against Kansas City. The Detroit Lions, 5-1, and one, had not lost a game on the road all season, got boat raced by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, a team in Baltimore that probably should be 6-0, and because we talked about this two weeks ago. It must be so infuriating to be a Baltimore Raven fan. Because that game against Pittsburgh, they dominated from start to finish. Dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you looked up at the end of the game, it was 17-10, to 10, and I have no idea how. It the, it's the most confusing result all season this year for me, is watching that game and not understanding how Baltimore lost that game against Pittsburgh. Just cannot understand that. Baltimore dominated them and somehow had zero points in the final 37 minutes of that game. But besides the point, like Baltimore was much better than Pittsburgh on the field. They lost a game at home against the Colts in overtime. Like Baltimore legitimately has a case for being either 6-1 and or 7-0 and with now a dominant victory against the Detroit Lions and a first place team in a division that really doesn't have any other teams that can compete with Baltimore at that level. Like Baltimore... We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills a little bit later, but like in a world where the Buffalo Bills are not the most frustrating 4-2 and or 5-2 and team in the NFL this year, like in a world where Buffalo isn't losing these fluky games against Jacksonville or against the Jets, like Buffalo is probably the second best team in the AFC behind Kansas City. And Baltimore's right in that group with Miami and Buffalo and themselves just knocking on the door of Kansas City. All have a chance of beating Kansas City on any given day that Kansas City throws the game away themselves. Similar to how the Bengals got to the Super Bowl in 2021, the Bengals were in that second class of teams in the league. They got to the AFC Championship game. Kansas City beat themselves with a 20-0 lead at halftime and Cincinnati got into the Super Bowl. Like, in a world where Kansas City beats themselves, any of these teams has a chance to go in and beat them on any given week. Which, by the way, we already knew this about Baltimore, right? Baltimore, two years ago, played a Sunday night football game against Kansas City and beat the living crap out of them. Baltimore, three years ago, was in the second round of the playoffs against Buffalo, going in to tie the game with... Three minutes to play in the third quarter of a divisional round playoff game when Lamar Jackson threw a pick six, and that was the end of Baltimore's season. And they've never gotten back to that place because Lamar Jackson got hurt at the end of 2021 in a season where they would have had the number one seed. If they don't miss, remember that two point conversion thing with the Ravens, where the Ravens went for two instead of going to overtime against Pittsburgh and lost, and then went for two against another team instead of going to overtime and lost. Like, if Baltimore hits on those two two two-point conversions, or even just kicks the extra point, Baltimore was the number one seed in the AFC that year that Lamar Jackson got hurt in 2021. Last year, they were probably not going to be the number one seed but they would have had a better team if Lamar Jackson isn't replaced by Tyler Huntley for the last six games of the season, including a playoff game where they were right there against Cincinnati. They were right in it. And then, similar to the 2020 season, Huntley reaches for the goal line on a, at the one, ball gets punched out, it's a 99-yard strip, six going the other way. And this is why I said it must be so infuriating to be a Baltimore Raven fan, because you know your team is great. We saw it in this game today, Lamar Jackson had a rushing touchdown in that first half that we mentioned, 17 for 21, 255 yards, two passing touchdowns, almost 16 yards per completion in a game where he had 149 fucking passer rating. Like, this was MVP of the league level performance by Lamar Jackson. The second touchdown that he had to Nelson Aguilar, where he has two lions around him, rolls out of the pocket and avoids the sack. Stays in the pocket as, I don't think it was Hutchinson, I think it was the other edge rusher, maybe it was Houston, as the second edge rusher is coming back around towards him. He stops rolling to his right, sits in the pocket, throws it across his body, and hits Nelson Aguilar for a touchdown. Like, Mahomesian-esque play by Lamar Jackson, to avoid a sack, stay in the pocket, create seven seconds of time for his receivers to run around the depleted Detroit secondary and hit Nelson Aguilar in the end zone for a touchdown. That second touchdown was picturesque. The Mark Andrews touchdown, picturesque. The play that he threw to Mark Andrews to set up the second touch, uh the fourth touchdown. It was a running play touchdown, but Mark Andrews got down to like the two yard line. Incredible play by Lamar Jackson. It was play after play of MVP-level performances, MVP-level throws. Todd Munkin fixed the offense, like bringing more spread concepts into the offense instead of what Greg Roman was traditionally running, which was the Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick offense of bringing people within the box. The quarterback is the outside rusher with multiple tight ends blocking for him. They got rid of that offense. They got rid of that offensive philosophy, and now they have a spread offense with Odell Beckham in there, with Zay Flowers in there. Rashad Bateman, is a. they spent a high draft pick on him, but nonetheless, he is a wide receiver three. Like, if Rashad Bateman is your wide receiver three, that's a pretty good setup you got there. When you have Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, and then Rashad Bateman, you could argue Odell Beckham's kind of in that group also, but they rebuilt the wide receiver room. It ain't perfect, but it's better than the last place wide receiver room that they had before Baltimore has it all. And by the way, a defense that has the most sacks in the NFL this year and is allowing bottom five in points this season. Like the Baltimore defense is impeccable. The reason they almost beat the Bengals last year in the playoffs with Tyler Huntley Was that Baltimore defense made Joe Burrow look average? Granted, a lot of people are making Joe Burrow look average recently, but still made Joe Burrow look average. Gave them a chance to win. The offense gave up a 99 yard fumble at the end of the game. Baltimore is really, really good. They've been really, really good for years. And I know that they're really, really good because all of the evidence bears it out. They are consistently top seven in the league in offense when Lamar Jackson is playing. They are consistently a top 10 defense. And if you can have top 10, and if you can be above average in offense and above average in defense, and then at times have exceptional play at one of those two spots, like either exceptional job by the defense in holding teams to seven points or exceptional job by the defense of getting sacks and forcing turnovers or on the offensive side of the ball having an exceptional day where Lamar Jackson throws four or Lamar Jackson is responsible for four touchdowns in a game against a first place Detroit Lions team like if you can have exceptional days on offense or exceptional days on defense but always be consistently above average in both, you're going to give yourself a puncher's chance every single year. And Baltimore, if not for injuries to Lamar Jackson, injuries that, by the way, he sustained staying in the pocket because people were always making the conversation, mobile quarterbacks get hurt. No, Lamar broke his ankle sitting in the pocket and getting rolled over. Like, Lamar Jackson... Getting hurt at the end of the last two seasons derailed everything they do because there may not be a more valuable player to what they are doing on offense than what Lamar Jackson is doing with Baltimore. Like, without if you take Lamar Jackson out of what Baltimore is doing, the whole thing collapses. You could argue that the Bengals this year, who are they're on bye this week, so they're still three and three. The Bengals who are three and three and probably should be two and four, you could argue that like Joe Burrow going down is largely responsible for why they've had this precipitous fall. The Bengals, according to uh, based on DVOA rankings are 20th in the league in defense. Like the, the Bengals are an average to below average defense and that has nothing to do with Joe Burrow. Now, granted Joe Burrow being off the field at times has made it so that the defense has to play more snaps, but being average to below average on defense after they were top 10 last year, that ain't got to do with Joe Burrow that ain't got to do with what the Bengals and Luanna Rumo are doing there. Like, the Bengals signing uh, Orlando Brown from Kansas City has not panned out the way that the Bengals hoped they would. Jonah Williams is coming up on the end of his contract, and I don't think he's going to stick around in Cincinnati. Like, there are larger issues in Cincinnati than Joe Burrow going down that can explain away why, even if Joe Burrow were healthy, they wouldn't be as good as what Baltimore is right now and Baltimore is that team where i think what lamar jackson brings them as an mvp level performer like i know he won the mvp 4 years ago but when he's been healthy lamar jackson two of the last 3 years has played at an M- at a top 5 mvp level like what lamar jackson brings to baltimore on offense might be just as valuable as any other player in the league. And we've seen that evidence bear itself out just because of what they look like when he's gone and what they look like when an offense like what Todd Munkin is bringing supports his skill set. And the Baltimore Ravens are a really good team. That's what you see as the end result. Is like when Lamar has days like this, nobody can beat them. Not, I mean, obviously he played like an MVP. When Lamar plays like an MVP, they were literally unbeatable in 2019. They... After the first two games where they got some stuff out of their system, they won the last 12 games of the regular season in 2019. Lamar was unanimous MVP, all that. It's the most unbeatable football team I've ever seen. That Lamar Jackson Ravens team was the most unbeatable football team I have ever seen. And that team has a different cast of characters around the core pieces of that Defense and the core pieces of that offense, mainly just Lamar Jackson, because I know Mark Andrews is still there, but like the core piece that makes that offense go is Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson playing at an MVP level elevates that offense. Like I said, they've just they've just been above average for most of the season. They, they've been above average on offense, above average on defense. And by the way, Lamar Jackson, the games that they did lose against the Colts and the Steelers, Those were games Lamar Jackson played them out of. Like, having zero points in 37 minutes, despite the fact that they were dominating, is part of why I said it must be so frustrating to be a Baltimore Raven fan. Because when Lamar Jackson fumbles at the end of game on two consecutive possessions and loses the football at the goal line against Buffalo in a playoff game or gets sacked by T.J. Watt, when he had more time in the pocket than he probably needed to get a throw off or to make a decision to run the ball like when you factor all of that together yeah it's got to be pretty fucking frustrating that this team that looks like a an absolute wagon 10th ranked offense in the league despite the fact that they had zero points in the second half against the Pittsburgh Steelers in one of their six games prior to this like the Baltimore Ravens offensively, number 10 in the league, and that's only going to go up once the numbers adjust for this week. I mean, they just beat the living shit out of Detroit, so that number's probably going to go up from 10 to somewhere in the top 7. Having a top 10 offense, the number 2 ranked defense in the league, Baltimore is giving themselves a chance every single week to beat the best of the best teams in the National Football League. And that includes the Dolphins, that includes Buffalo, that includes Kansas City. Because those are the four teams, I know Jacksonville's there too, those are the four teams that are probably going to be the final four standing in the AFC. It's going to be Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, and Baltimore. And Baltimore, even if Kansas City isn't the mark, or even if they have to play Kansas City in the second round of the playoffs, like Baltimore should be walking out of this feeling like on any given day they can beat any of those three teams in the AFC. Kansas City might have to play down to their competition a little bit. Because if Kansas City is at their best. And Baltimore is at their best. Kansas City's going to beat Baltimore's best. But if Baltimore gives them not their best. Kansas City can fuck up and still beat them. Baltimore at their best. Against Miami at their best. Baltimore can win that game. Dolphins have the 27th ranked defense in the NFL. And the Dolphins' thing they do really well, which is motion offense and motion receivers into play, that is what the Ravens do really well at defending because a lot of their motion-based offense is predicated on getting the ball out quickly. And when you get the ball out quickly, that's what's led to the majority of the Ravens' turnovers this season. On fumbles and on interceptions has been when teams are trying to get the ball out and they jump routes. That's what the Ravens have done well defensively this year. And so Baltimore in this situation, has the defense that can counter Miami, counter Buffalo, and they should feel like they can be able to beat those teams any given week with their best, just as they should have been able to each of the last three seasons. They were in a playoff game against Buffalo three years ago where they could have beat Buffalo. They could have taken the lead at the end of the third quarter in a game that was like 10-6, to six. and Lamar Jackson threw a pick-six, a 99-yard pick-six. And then, last year, Tyler Huntley had the 99-yard strip six when they were in the game against Cincinnati. Defense is going to give them a chance every single week. When offense is clicking, Baltimore is as good as any team in the league, and it's why it must be so infuriating, because that offense doesn't click every week. Lamar Jackson's been out at the end of each of the last two seasons. That's why it must be so frustrating to be a Baltimore Raven fan. You know your team is great, as great as Buffalo has been over the last four years. If I mean, like, if healthy, they probably play Buffalo the same amount of time Cincinnati played Buffalo, and maybe they win a game or two in that playoff rivalry. That's why it's got to be so infuriating. You know your team is great, and at times your team has consistently showed you they're not great enough. But this year's the year. This year's the year Baltimore is going to get a crack at this team They're not as unbeatable as they were back in 2019. Granted, Lamar's not that MVP-level player right now. They got an above-average offense, and they got a top-five defense. That's going to give them a chance to beat any team any given week, except for Kansas City and except for San Francisco. But there's no shame in not having a team as good as Kansas City or not having a team as good as San Francisco. Because both of those teams are the best of the best. And maybe they'll play down to their competition and Baltimore can beat them in a game that really, really matters. Because Baltimore's got that skilled of a team. And that quarterback that is legitimately valuable, as valuable to them as any player is to any team in the league. There's still... Still suck, the bear still suck, the bear still suck, the bear still suck. Let's talk Raiders and Bears. I know Raiders and Bears is usually a game that we refuse to discuss as part of our decree, our, our mission to not watch bad football. We, in order to maintain a healthy relationship with football, we must not watch bad football. However, this football game was so bad That it felt like it was the perfect opportunity, not just to meme both of these teams, but to officially write them off for the season. Oakland slash Las Vegas is now 3-4. and The Bears have two wins. Tyson Bagent has a win now as an NFL quarterback. A perfect game manager performance to get a victory. At halftime, I think they said he had like 16 completions for 120 yards or some bullshit like that. Tyson Bagent and the Bears, 2-5, beat the crappy Raiders, and the Raiders are just about done. I have seen, uh, look, we said back in March, we could have eulogized the Raiders back in March, because back in March, Lamar Jackson was available to be had. Any team could have called Baltimore with an offer for Lamar Jackson of two first-round picks and the same contract he got from the Ravens and you could have had Lamar Jackson on your football team. And would Lamar Jackson have led the Raiders to glory in even a division title against Kansas City? Hell no. Hell no, Lamar Jackson with that crappy defense was not going to be enough to get the Raiders over Kansas City. But at least you would have pretended like you were trying. Because when they had the opportunity to trade for Lamar Jackson, the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a non-guaranteed three-year contract. The reason it was non-guaranteed is because Jimmy Garoppolo was coming off of major shoulder injury and they weren't sure whether Jimmy Garoppolo would be ready to start the season and he was and now he's hurt with a back injury and we don't know when he's get this is his second injury of the season by the way he missed a game he missed two games earlier in the season with a different injury I think that was a concussion and now he's got a back injury and we don't know when Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. But it doesn't matter whether Jimmy Garoppolo comes back or not. Because the Raiders acknowledged by signing Jimmy Garoppolo in the first place, we're not even trying to compete this year. Devontae Adams told you as much. That's the funniest thing about this. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show. Devontae Adams went to Bleacher Report in a story and said, I don't agree with the general manager's philosophy for this team's construction. I don't agree with signing Jimmy Garoppolo because of course you don't agree with signing Jimmy Garoppolo. Signing Jimmy Garoppolo over the possibility of pursuing Lamar Jackson, like not even considering the possibility of pursuing Lamar Jackson, that was acknowledging we are not even trying. A team that was 6-11 last year that added no talent... Yes, they drafted Tyree Wilson in the first round, but they also siphoned off Darren Waller at the end of the season. They did not add any talent to their team, ran it back with Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Derek Carr, and if I'm going to look at the numbers right now, I'm going to guess that Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo's passer ratings are not that different from each other. Let's see, 2022 QBR rankings. Let's see, this year the, well, let's see this year's first. So this year, QBR number for Jimmy Garoppolo, 48.5. You know what Derek Carr's QBR is this year? 48.2. Jimmy Garoppolo is 18th. Derek Carr is 19th. The Raiders didn't want to improve the quarterback position. They just didn't want to pay Derek Carr they think if we're going to be mediocre and crappy, we might as well have a quarterback with a non-guaranteed contract of which we can save $100,000 every time he's not active for a game, which is a real clause in his contract. And by the way, Devontae Adams told you as much, saying, to Bleacher Report, I don't agree with the general manager's decision to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. And so the Raiders were telling you from March, we are not competing this season. They told you from the very fucking beginning that they were not trying to compete this season. And now in week seven, after losing to the goddamn Chicago Bears, I feel like we can acknowledge as much as well. Because Brian Hoyer was worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. The team had three points for most of the game. Like they were incompetent. They were absolutely incompetent. And if not for... A one-point victory against the somehow worse than them Broncos and a victory against the Patriots last week. This is a team I saw that they were three and three going into this week and I was like, how are the Raiders three and three? And then I looked up and I was like, yeah, that's right. They beat the Packers in that Monday night football game, 17 points. Then they beat the Patriots last week, 21 points. They beat the Broncos in week one, 17 points. The offense is worse this year than it was last year. And I was at least willing to give them like a benefit of the doubt situation with that because last year their offense improved ever so slightly from the last John Gruden, Rich Bisaccia season. Adding Devontae Adams did make an impact on their offense. They were scoring more points by a small amount, but they were scoring more points. They were also allowing more points last season than they did in 2021. Remember when they made that bullshit playoff game because the Chargers prisoner dilemmaed themselves out of the playoffs? The Raiders, that year, were like 7-1 in one-score games. Like, just ridiculously lucky in one-score games. Last year, they blew five leads where they had a double-digit lead. They blew five double-digit leads last year after going 7-1 and the year before. They were basically the same team. They were ranked 18th in DVOA in 20, uh, 2021. They were ranked 17th in DVOA in 2022. They were the same piss-poor, mediocre team last year that they were in 2021. In 2021, they made the playoffs because they won a lot of one-score games. Last year, they missed the playoffs embarrassingly because they blew five double-digit leads. By the way, exact same reason why the Giants were what they were this year. Injuries, one score games, not going their way. Total difference between the Giants last year and the Giants this year. And now the Raiders lost to the Bears. They're three and four. They get the Lions, the Jets, the Dolphins, two Kansas City games, and the Chargers left on their schedule. This team might win six games. This team might win seven games. Their season is done. This experiment with Jimmy Garoppolo is done. Josh McDaniels probably going to get fired. And look, last year I said the same thing. Like, with Josh McDaniels, I could understand firing him, and I could understand keeping him. The reason you kept him last year is giving him time to execute the vision and they have fucked that shit up this year, Josh Jacobs is probably out of there. Out of there. They're going to have to find another quarterback. They're going to have to find another defensive stalwart in addition to what Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson are starting to bring you. They ain't got nothing, nothing to build with. And this is a team that I said last year, you're not going to find, you have a better chance of finding another Hunter Renfro and you have a better chance of finding another Max Crosby than you do of getting those top draft picks. Like trading Darren Waller was the right move. They they got a, a third round pick in return. It, worth it. Okay. Uh, I think they turned it into Trey Tucker, which hasn't turned it into much, but the, the process was correct. The process on what they were trying to do was correct. And the Raiders, they have not executed, any kind of vision, and they just simply don't have enough talent. But they never had enough talent. They didn't have enough talent in 2021 when they fucked around and made the playoffs because they won a bunch of one-score games. The Raiders don't want to start a whole rebuild all over again, but this is kind of the result of what happens when you have too many missed, tra- too many missed draft picks back to back to back. This is just the result of what happens. You can't whiff on every single first round pick for four years and expect that you will be able to replicate that talent by free agent signings and shrewd, you know, the Hunter Renfro's and Darren Waller's and Max Crosby's and guys you didn't expect would become stars. You can't whiff on four consecutive first round picks and be able to compete at the highest level of the league. And so maybe they're going to go to the bottom of the draft. Maybe they're going to try a new coach. Maybe they're gonna try another quarterback. Hell, Gardner Minshew's playing himself into a whole bunch of money. He was kicking ass for the Colts. Maybe Gardner Minshew's gonna play himself into a bunch of money from the Raiders. Who knows? Maybe they choose a bridge watering quarterback. Maybe they go a different route. But like besides the point, the Raiders are dunzo. The Raiders are a wash at this point. And it's just, I there's no there's no vision for where the team is going. That's the 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 nicest way I can phrase that for the Raiders. They do not have a vision of what direction they are headed in next. From the Chicago Bears standpoint, I mean, we could have probably eulogized them a little bit before. Again, Tyson Bagent is their quarterback. They are 2-5 and at this point in the season. They have two first-round picks coming up next year. That's a plus. Eberflus, who, if you remember two years ago, we did a nine-month Chicago Bear embargo, where we said this is a very predictable outcome for the Bears. What's going to happen is that the Bears are going to fire Matt Nagy. They're going to hire a coach, which if you told me who the coach was the first day of the season, I could probably give you analysis on how good or bad that coach is, how good or bad a coaching hire it was. We have no evidence to determine whether Justin Fields is good or bad, and so we didn't talk about the Bears for nine months. And then we got to last year and Justin Fields kicked ass and the Bears lost a bunch of games and got the number one pick of which they traded back with the Panthers. And they were actually doing something kind of interesting because they they were doing the thing where headed into year three with Justin Fields, this was where he was going to make the leap. This is where he was going to improve dramatically and the Bears were going to have some evidence that they were pretty, that they were headed in a direction where they could support Justin Fields. And they uh, did not. They did not. No amount of talent could replicate the struggles that they've had on defense. No amount of talent could replicate the fact that the play calling has been atrocious around Justin Fields. Uh, Their defense was ranked 30th in the league before their defensive coordinator resigned. Uh, Having to make any kind of statement that says, no, our offices were not raided by the FBI usually is a sign that things aren't going well but they were the 30th ranked defense before their defensive coordinator resigned. Justin Fields had the public comment bashing the coaching uh, play calling by the offensive coordinator who came from the Packers, whose name I can't remember right now. Like It had been a calamity before this, and now that Justin Fields is hurt where his his finger got dislocated and he had to pop it back in, but then struggled to grip the football. Like, this whole thing was a calamity weeks ago that we probably didn't touch on enough other than just saying, hey, anytime your team has to make a statement that says, no, our office was not raided by the FBI, means things usually aren't going well. Like, th- this thing was a, was a disaster weeks ago, and yes, they beat Washington, and yes, they beat the Raiders, but the Bears are not going to make any noise beyond that. Yes, Tyson Bagent now has one victory in his career. Meanwhile, Justin Fields has, I think, like four <laughs> in the last two seasons as a starting quarterback. So yeah, it, it has not been a, it has not been a good run for the Chicago Bears. And Eberflus is probably going to be the one who gets fired because you just can't have the worst record in the NFL two years in a row and survive that shit. Zach Taylor fell ass backwards into surviving it, but I don't think the bears are gonna, are gonna keep Eberflus around. Even if they want to keep Justin Fields around for another year, which very real possibility, keep Justin Fields around for another season. Get a new offensive coordinator in. Justin Fields has shown you the physical capabilities to play quarterback in the NFL. He was incredible when healthy last year. Now he has a dislocated finger. It doesn't cost you anything to keep Justin Fields around. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, draft another quarterback? No, that's stupid. Draft, <laughs> draft a defensive... Draft a blue-chip defensive player. Draft draft something that's going to support the quarterback that clearly shows like he's worth a damn, even if he doesn't want to play for your team. Like, I wish, I wish we could save Justin Fields and send him somewhere else, but if the game plan is to just draft another quarterback and start again, that quarterback's going to fall into the same problems that plague the team now, which is the defense doesn't have any skill players. No no amount of TJ Edwards signing in free agency are gonna correct that for the Bears without a star pass rusher or star cornerback or some sort of defensive stalwart or a defensive coach that's gonna be able to develop these players a little bit better than Matt Eberflus has shown to. They don't need another quarterback. There's so many other problems besides the quarterback position. Put, put themselves in a position to support the quarterback before they go ahead and draft another fucking quarterback. That's, that's my frustration with the Bears, which they don't even need. Justin Fields is awesome. I want Justin Fields to go somewhere else so that his career isn't ruined by this godforsaken terrible franchise that is essentially the new Detroit Lions. Like, we've been joking about this for weeks. Like, the Lions are the new Packers. The Packers are the new Vikings. The Vikings are the new Bears. Just... Always hanging around 6-10, and 10, frustrating losses, and the Bears are the new Lions, which is just, we are, th- what is it now? After winning this week, they are 5-22 and 22 in their last 27 games. Some shit like that. 5-27 and 27 is what the Bears are standing right now. You invested so much in Justin Fields, it makes no sense to just pivot now. Considering Justin Fields looks like one of the five players that's worth a damn on your team... And by the way, one of them is DJ Moore, who is trying his hes trying his damnedest, man. You're giving him nothing to work with, but at least he looks like he's worth a damn. They just need something on defense, something to build with on defense. They haven't drafted a defensive player in the first two rounds in three years. They just got to give him something to work with on defense, something that isn't just Yannick Ngakwe's and TJ Edwards. They, Tremaine Edmonds just give them some young players to work with on defense the Bears are so far away from competing and it sucks because they know they have a good quarterback at least I feel confident I know that they have a good quarterback all right It's that time of week where we award the Philip Rivers Memorial Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award, an award that we give out every single week to keep track of how often we have quarterbacks who find themselves down six, no timeouts, one minute to play, and needing to go the length of the field to score a touchdown in order to try and win their football game. And... This week, we did not have a true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation in any of the 11 games that were being played on this NFL Week 7. The afternoon games all looked like they were headed towards that Kirk Cousins purgatory, and then not a single one of them ended up having a true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation. The Packers ended up coming back from down 13 and then losing at the end of the game anyways. The weird spot-the-ball for a first down that wasn't a first down gave the Pittsburgh Steelers a win when Matthew Stafford was robbed of Kirk Cousins' purgatory with two minutes left to play and no timeouts, down seven points. There was no true Kirk Cousins' purgatory this week, but I think spiritually, Justin Herbert, you deserve the award because Justin Herbert was down seven basically the entire game. They were down ten to three. They scored a touchdown. Then they were down 17 10. They scored a touchdown. Then, for the entire second half of the game, they were down 24 17. They were getting stops on defense. Blake Bell fumbled a football. They forced a three and out on Kansas City. The whole second half, they were seven points down. You felt like the Chargers were going to come back, even though deep in your heart of hearts, you knew. There was no way the Chargers were going to beat Kansas City. This is the AFC East of the 2000s. Kansas City is running roughshod over that division, and they're going to win 15 division titles in 16 years. I said that four years ago when they were on their way to winning their fifth straight division title. Now they're on their way to number eight. I said it five years ago. Kansas City is the new Patriots. Four years ago, they're going to win 15 division titles in 16 years. And I'm damn sure going to be right because Kansas City's already at number eight. And all three teams in that AFC West are looking like the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets of the 2000s being run roughshod by the Patriots. So even though they lost by 14, even though they had to run a two-minute drill when they were already down 14 points, I think that spiritually Justin Herbert for being down 7 the entire second half, desperately trying to score against Kansas City, and never being able to take the lead. That is the spirit of this award. In the name of your former quarterback, Philip Rivers, I'm going to award this week's Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award to Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Something also just dawned on me that the 49ers-Vikings Monday Night Football game is a a six-and-a-half point spread at Minnesota. No Debo Samuel for the Niners. No Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Like I said, six-and-a-half point spread. Maybe there was no Kirk Cousins purgatory situation this week because we are getting the ultimate Kirk Cousins purgatory situation on Monday. Vegas is telling you Kirk Cousins purgatory is an inevitability. Six-and-a-half point spread. At Minnesota, no Justin Jefferson, no Devo Samuel. Christian McCaffrey has a torn oblique. By the way, they phrase that as like he's got a minor, minor tear in his oblique. Like, that's that's a problem. That's a bit of a problem. You guys don't really need to coddle that one. That is, that is a pretty bad situation. Christian McCaffrey got a little tear in his oblique, and uh, maybe this is where the true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation will come in. So maybe we'll get here next week and find out that the true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation was the Monday night football game after all, with Kirk Cousins being down six, no timeouts, one minute to play, and needing to go the length of the field against what has been statistically the best defense in the NFL in San Francisco. Uh, Before we go today... I mentioned it off the top, feel like we gotta touch on it before the end of the show. Y'all starting to worry about the Buffalo Bills yet? Cause like every nerd stat proves the point that the Buffalo Bills are a very, very good football team with a very very good offense, a very very good defense. The Buffalo Bills are four and three. The Buffalo Bills are the sixth seed in the AFC. They've now lost games against the Jets, the Patriots, and the Jaguars. Two of those three teams are definitely not going to make the playoffs. Buffalo is going to make the playoffs. They're just too good not to. Even with a major injury to someone like Stephon Diggs, they could probably still make the playoffs. Buffalo's just in a really interesting position because, again, uh, our friend Aaron Schatz, he's the, the... king of the nerds as I like to call him uh, created the DVOA statistic previously of football outsiders now he's doing uh, a new project with uh, I'm trying to remember uh, it is ftnfantasy.com that is the, that's the the—that's the new website that Aaron Schatz is a part of uh, Aaron Schatz is telling you the Buffalo Bills are the third best team in the NFL number three offense in the league number six ranked defense in the league like this team is really good they're number 3 overall ranking in DVOA and the team that's number 2 is the Detroit Lions who just got boat raced by the the Baltimore Ravens so I'm sure that statistical change by the end of the week this is a top 5 offense this is a top 7 defense Buffalo's supposed to be really good and yet they've lost these ridiculous one score games in games where the explanation is pretty straightforward Josh Allen has the most turnovers in the NFL over the last 5 years pretty much your explanation for what's happened to Buffalo. It's just Josh Allen turning the ball over a lot. That was the explanation for why they got down 10-0 against New England. New England got a field goal on their first drive of the game. Josh Allen threw a pick. It led to a, a Ezekiel Elliott rushing touchdown. Like that's kind of your explanation. It's as sometimes as simple as that because it, I mean he it was the only turnover he had in the game and he still had an average passer rating at the end of the day. And Josh Allen is just kind of struggling right now. I mean, Mac Jones didn't have a stellar day today by any stretch of the imagination. His passer rating was 126.7, but he only completed 18 of 24 for 272 yards. Like, Mac Jones was excellent today, and the team scored, what, 20... Twenty. Well, it was twenty-nine at the end of the game. It felt like twenty the whole way, but then they scored a couple at the end. Like Buffalo's in a tough position right now, where all of the statistics are saying they're good, and then they're four and three, and you're kind of like, well, I don't really know what to do with them because the AFC's got five really good teams, and if there's five really good teams, it means one of those teams ain't gonna make it past the wild card round between Buffalo, Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Jacksonville. And really Kansas city is going to make the AFC championship game for the sixth year in a row. So we're really just talking about Buffalo, Miami, Baltimore, and Jacksonville. One of those teams ain't going to make it to the second round of the playoffs. And, Buffalo is a very talented team that is right now looking like the team that's outside looking in on everyone else in this group. And really, there's only five good teams in the AFC, but there are five really good ones. So we'll see where Buffalo kind of matches up. Because I'm not worried about Buffalo yet, but maybe you're feeling afraid about Buffalo right now. We'll see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, no not every single day. Every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday here on the show, we're going to have a fun conversation with some of our friends. Later on this week, might get into some tip off of the NBA. We're definitely going to touch on some more football storylines coming up here and uh very excited to share all of that with you. Also playoff baseball. I'm getting ready to go watch Texas Rangers versus Houston Astros game 6. Wasn't that game 5 absolutely wild? I'm sure we'll have time to talk about that at some point later on but in the meantime y'all leave a five-star review downloads any and all support is greatly appreciated you guys continue to support our dreams and we greatly greatly appreciate that we will chat with y'all again on wednesday and in the meantime take it easy and it's a wide open. touchdown buffalo davis again you throw a fourth td on a dime you ain't got no fear of any colts or dolphins josh allen gets bills the wins you want to play the chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes, and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony, got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz, you made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting, tossed up to Davis and McKenzie, it's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties, you keep losing to Mahomes, sitting on the bench 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong, makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way, gonna get past Kansas City, Allen and the Bills are gonna be, Super Bowl champs 2023, oh I want. I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball You throw a fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear of any colts or dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins you want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid in his schemes avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game.